right, we're going to get right into it. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1 or in that scripture journal, which will be right at the beginning of that book. I was uh, hearing someone talk today about uh, how many of these scripture journals they have and they have to get the ones that match now because they, you know, for their library, their collection. But uh, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. I, I look back and I see the ones that I have. Uh, I, I usually do some of my sermon note writing in this as well or circle or underline things. So that's what that's, that's all about. And uh, hopefully you can use that as a tool today. This is uh, Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 1 to 10. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you, And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's pray. God, today we thank you for your word that speaks to us today, thousands of years after it was first penned. And Lord, it it applies to our lives today. It speaks to us. Your spirit awakens our heart and our mind to you, to the truths of God, things that we found, find written in your word. We pray today and as we begin this, this series on this beautiful book of Galatians, God, that you would stir in us the things that you would have us to change, things that we need to surrender to, to you. Lord, we pray that if there's things that perhaps come to our minds in this series that we need to adjust in our life uh, or completely change, that you would empower us to do that. There's ways that you prompt us to love others, to listen better to others, to warmly invite others into walking with you. Pray that you'd prompt that in us as well. And so today we submit ourselves to the authority of God that is found here in these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, now Galatians is, uh, is a, a book that if you, kind of in that cluster of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, or as we used to say at camp or growing up or whatever, it was like, how do we remember that? Go eat popcorn. I don't know. Did any of you learn that? 
Yeah, okay, not many of you. But now you know it. You're like, okay, what is the order of those? Go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, so there you go. Now, now that's one thing, one takeaway for this morning that you have already. Um, but uh, where the book of Galatians is, is uh, in, that, in that spot. And so we're going to talk a, a bit today, uh, some initial observations, some things to lay out a bit of the groundwork of this book, because that's important when we come to uh, a study in the book. If you are new to our church, we, we do a little bit of uh, moving around a little bit throughout the year, but primarily we, we go through a book and we study it th- all through and through, um, not always specifically where we'd say verse by verse, but, you know, we, we do go through it as much in order as we can. And, uh, and so, like I said earlier, we're going through from starting today through till just about Easter, and you're going, well, this doesn't seem like that's such a long book, but uh, we're also breaking for our Advent series in there as well at the end of November. But today, we want to give you a bit of the groundwork of this book, what was sort of the thing. So we're going to talk about, first of all, the author, then we're going to talk about the audience, and we're going to talk about the accusers, and then the anger. There's a little bit of a uh, angry tone to this, so, you know, you'll, you'll hear it. I mean, you already did, I guess. So, here we go. Some initial observations, first of all, about the author. And as says, right at the beginning, it says, Paul. Paul. Now, if you are familiar a bit with uh, the New Testament and some of the books, we went through about the first 11 chapters of Acts a couple years ago. And we talked about this, uh, this guy in the middle there, uh, kind of came after Peter, but a guy named Saul. And Saul was this Pharisee. He was the persecutor of the, the early church. And so if there were ones that came, became followers of the way or the way of Jesus, he would find out who they were and, and drag them out of their homes, imprison them, persecute them. And, and even as we see with, with Stephen, he was there giving approval to his death. He was a guy that was very zealous uh, for the law and saw that this way of Jesus was contrary to the law, and so he did that. But, as we we see in Acts chapter 9, he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's going there to to find some people to imprison or kill uh, that are Christians, and and Jesus meets him on the road, and you can read that in Acts chapter 9. Now, this is a guy named Saul. And we see here, his name is Paul. Now, you might have heard this before. We know that God did this in the Old Testament quite a bit, where he took someone's name, it was, was Abram, and he, now his name was Abraham. Uh, there's different accounts, different experiences of that, Jacob, Israel, different name changes throughout the Bible. And so it's sometimes been taught that this was happened, this is what happened to Saul after he encountered Jesus. Now, new change, converted life to Jesus, he's now Paul. That's not actually the case. That's just his name. So his name was Saul, and his name was Paul. All right. How many of you have multiple names? Okay. Some of you perhaps that have, have immigrated here to Canada or whatever, you had your birth name. And maybe you came here and, and you know, maybe your name was, was hard to pronounce or, you know, to how to acclimatize to our culture. And so now maybe you go by Joe or John or something like that. Um, not exactly the same case, but this is the way it was. Saul was his, his name as a Jew, okay, very Jewish name. He was a Pharisee. That's how he was known in those circles among Jews. He was Saul. Paul is his Roman name, his Roman Gentile name. 
And so there's, there's no, nothing that indicates that God changed his name once he became a follower of Jesus. That's just who, who he was in that environment. And we'll see in this is that Saul, even, he's even called Saul after his conversion, him and Barnabas. It says Saul and Barnabas in the book of Acts. They go out on missionary journeys. He's still known as Saul. Uh, and even Jesus on the road says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So his name is Saul. But then suddenly, Luke in the, gospel, in, in the book of Acts starts calling him Paul in, in chapter 13. Suddenly his name is, is Paul. And that's because his mission now is to Gentiles. And so he would use his Gentile name. There you go. Simple as that. All right. That's both his names. And it says that he is an apostle. Now, we're not going to go through this word, for, verse, uh, word by word here, <laughs> just in case you're wondering. But this is who he is, an apostle. And I want you in your, your Bible or your journal to, to underline or circle that word apostle. It's a very critical thing to, to our teaching today, to what was heard there, and how they would have responded to this, this letter. This wasn't a letter just from, oh, this is, this is our friend Paul. This is from... Paul, an apostle. So what is an apostle? An apostle was one who was, was sent, was commissioned by Jesus himself. Of course, there was the original 12. Those were commissioned by Jesus, sent out. An apostle is, is really a, an agent, is another, another word of it, a representative and in a way, this is the, the significance of being an apostle was such that it's like if that person was an apostle, they were speaking the very words of the one who sent them. And so, as an apostle, Paul's words were the words of Jesus. Now, I think that we, we miss this. Now, you might have a very high view of Scripture, Maybe you've grown up in the church, you, your, your Bible is, um, I, I recognize Hannah's Bible up here, she's got, there's markings in it and there's stuff in it. It's like, it's a well-studied Bible. Maybe that's you and, and you have that, that love for, it, for your Bible. It's a treasure to you. Sometimes there's drift and sometimes there's a, in our minds we start thinking, well, it's just another book. Or we've gone to Bible school and it becomes a textbook. Or it's something that we, you know, we, we sometimes, we don't bring it really to church because we have it on our phone. And, that, and that's okay. That's no judgment on that. If you have it, you have it. But, but it's in a way realizing, do we hear the words of Scripture from the apostles who wrote this down, breathed the very breath of God into what we have before us, that we would take what there is and say, this is the very words of God your life. Some of you would say, man, if only, if only God would speak to me, if only God would, would tell me, give me direction, tell me what to do. We have his word. And this is the thing when it, he says, I am an apostle, and this is where he's going to wrestle because there was those who came against him that were saying, yeah, you're not really an apostle. You just got this from, from other people and you messed it up. And this is where he is defending his, his apostleship, that he actually got this from God himself. In John 17, there's the prayer of Jesus, and he's praying. He says to the Father, as you have sent me, so am I sending them. 
So the very words of Jesus imparted to the apostles are the very words that come to us today. So Paul was, was a Jew. He was a Jew from birth. But his mission, what he was sent to, was to the Gentiles. And we'll get into that when we talk about the audience. Who are the Gentiles? And Paul uh, is known for, you know, as far as uh, having the, uh, the authorship of 13 of 27 books of the New Testament. Uh, all right. All right, the audience. It says clearly, to the churches of Galatia, this is modern-day Turkey, central Turkey. So this is important when it, when it talks about places in the Bible that you take note of that and you can actually find it on the map as far as, you know, where is that today? This was a real place. This letter was written to real people. And this letter was addressing a real issue. And then we're going to see this is going to be a different issue than, than pro- specifically than we deal with today. There's going to be principles that we're going to draw out of this and that we can apply. But it's, it's really important to know, and we, keep, we say this often, is that the Bible was written for us, but not to us. The Bible was written for us, but not to us. There was a specific audience. It was written to a specific place, dealing with a specific issue. And so we understand, we grow to understand the context, what was happening. We can't take ourselves right back there to that century and, and know everything about it. But we know that this, is, this was what was going on there. It was a real place, real people, real thing going on there. This is a church plant, a bunch of church plants from Paul's first missionary journey. And I've referred to Acts a couple times. This is something that you might want to read as kind of a companion throughout this series is, is the book of Acts. The narrative, the story of the early church forming, uh, growing, suffering persecution, scattering, and then kind of forming these new communities where the, Paul and the other apostles would, would go and, and form church plants, develop leaders, and then uh, this whole network of churches to the place where we have, obviously, the gospel received today. And so we can read about this in Acts chapter 14. When you read the names of the cities, the places, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, those are towns or cities in Galatia. And this, this group of churches would have been a mix of Jews and Gentiles. Now, we don't, we don't talk about Gentiles a whole lot. Uh, so who are the Gentiles? Well, basically, Gentile is a non-Jew. If you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile, whether Roman, Greek, Whatever. If you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. Okay. The accusers. This is what's going on here, is that there is this group of people. So other places and throughout this book, you'll, you'll hear this word of Judaizers. Now, we don't have this group of people today. This isn't a, a you know, a, a government party or a denomination or anything like that. But this is a group of people in this time period, that, that were believers. Okay, they had responded to the gospel that had been taught. They were Jews, but had responded to the gospel. But they came to the decision, or that was their belief, was that you also needed to be a Jew. So you could be a Christian. You could follow Jesus, but you also had to follow the law. And so what that meant is you had to be circumcised if you were a man, and you had to follow the dietary, the kosher laws, and you had to celebrate special days, those kind of key things. That was what 
what you had to do. So you could be a follower of Jesus, but you needed to add more to it, more of the law. And this is the, this is the issue. This is what Paul is addressing here. So this is also, they're also known as other places they're called the circumcision party. Now that's an oxymoron if I've ever uh, heard one. I thought that was really funny. I, I was, came up with that myself. The circumcision party, this group of people, I mean, that's, that's not a very good tagline, you know, hey, join us, we're the circumcision party. No, but this is what they were requiring. And so in this environment, this is the, the church plant that Paul has established, and he has preached to them clearly the gospel of grace that's found in Jesus, and freedom from the law, and now this group has come in, and, uh, and as, he, as he says, they are forcing these people to become Jews and to go through all these restrictions. He says that they are troublemakers and they're distorting or perverting the gospel. That's who these people are. We're going to talk about them a bunch. All right. There's anger. There's anger in this letter. There's a frustrated tone. You see that right off the hop here. Well, scholars say that this was probably Paul's first apostolic letter. If you read the other ones, you'll see there's, there's more of a generous tone. There's more of a, you know, I thank God for, for all of you, and I'm, you know, a blessing and everything to you. And, um, and this one, it, it doesn't quite go there. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it's like there's that greeting, but there isn't like, I thank God for you. Every time I think of you, it's, you know, it talks about in Ephesians. But here, not so much. There's a, he's annoyed. He's kind of, he's pretty ticked off. And, and so he doesn't mince any words. He gets right to it. Do you ever have this experience where, you know, there's something going on between you and, and someone else? There's an issue. They've, they've done something to you. You've done something to them, whatever, but you know that it's, it's tense. You've got you know, to make this right. So you call them up. Maybe you take the initiative. Say, hey, let's, let's get a coffee. And they say, okay. And then you get there, and you're sitting there, and you're ordering. And then you, you try to, to fake these pleasantries, right, for the first little bit, right? Just kind of massage it a little bit to, you know, hey, how's the family? How's, how's your job? What, you know, what's kind of going on? How are the kids? Uh, yeah, and then it kind of, all of a sudden you come to that place where there's this awkward silence. Because you know, both of you know the purpose of this gathering is to hash it out. We've got to make this right. Something's wrong, right? Well, <laughs> this, is, this is Paul's, uh, he's, he's had a very short little pleasantry. <laughs> Grace and peace to you. And then he goes, I'm astonished that this is what has, what has happened. You know, he, he doesn't mess around. See, Paul has heard this, this chatter of what's going on. Someone has, has told him, hey, you know your, your church plants there in Galatia? Have you heard that they're making all the men get circumcised? Paul's like, what? What are you talking about? And, and so this starts, you know, he starts getting angry because he here has, he's laid a foundation of the gospel. And now these people that he has has shared this, and they received this message with joy, and it says they are, they've turned away. They've turned away from it so quickly. We don't know exactly the time period that passed, but it's like so quickly you, you've turned, you've, you've listened to these 
from the circumcision party and you've been listening to them. It's like if you were a builder, if you were a builder of a home or of a, you know, maybe some sort of a, a property that had a, had a purpose. And so you had all the plans, you, you got the plans, you laid it all out, you, you spent a lot of time working, laying the foundation, and you built this beautiful structure. And maybe it was, was kind of a house that anyone could come to and, and maybe, you know, have, have fellowship, have some fun, you had pool tables, you know, whatever, great place. And, and you built this place. And people were coming, and, and it was awesome. And then you left. And then you hear that someone else has moved in, and they've, they've completely changed the purpose of this, this building that you've made. And they've, they've added walls, like what was an open concept, and all of a sudden now they've built walls. And they decided, well, you know what, we've got to separate from things, so we're going to build a moat right around this whole building. I don't know, whatever else, not the greatest example. You get the idea. You were the founder. You were the one that laid the foundation. You poured your heart, your soul, your sweat, everything into this based on your calling from God as an apostle. And you've been faithful and you shared it. But now you hear, er, they're changing course, changing direction. So this is, this is the basis for this letter to the Galatians, is that Paul is like, he's kind of ticked. That's the tone. So there's a few things that he defends. He defends his apostleship. We'll see that throughout. That it was a gospel not from man, but from God. And so in that, again, if you're rejecting this teaching, you're actually rejecting God himself. If you notice in that verse where it says, I'm astonished that you're so, you're, you're so quickly turning away from what? From my teaching? No. From, from all the truths that I taught you, the intellectual assent that you gave to these things? No. You've turned away from him. You've turned away what you've done in actually complying with what these people have said to you to come under the law once again is that you've actually turned away from your relationship with Jesus. You've turned away from him. So Paul goes into a lot in this where he's defending the one true gospel. Now listen, in this book, Galatians, the main issue is that these false believers, this circumcision group, they're seeking to, to add to the gospel by forcing the Gentiles to become Jews. Now, if you're looking at this and you're going, well, that isn't really our situation today. You're exactly right. <laughs> that, that isn't a pressure. That isn't something that's happening in our church where there's an outside group that's saying, no, you got you to do this. And especially, you don't have to come under these law restrictions again. So when we look at this book, we're going to have to look at things that say, how, how is this surfacing in our fellowship? And what exactly are kind of the, the sticky points for us. And here's really a bottom line to this, and we'll carry this through the series, you'll hear it, is that anytime you're adding to the gospel, you're distorting it, you're perverting it, and there's a heaviness to that because Paul says here, that person is cursed. <laughs> so when, as I was reading that this morning, and I'm coming to prepare to preach today, there is like a, whoa, I better get this right. We better be preaching the true gospel here. 
And so anything that we talk about, anything in your own life where you say, yes, I have Jesus. I have repented of my sin. I've received his forgiveness. And I've received that, that understanding of what he did for me. And that's really good. But there's got to be more. I got to do more to be acceptable to God. That's where we have the issue here. Because for us, it's not going to be probably about circumcision, dietary restrictions, or special days. It's not going to be where we find ourselves in this. But if there's anything that we are adding to the gospel, anything that we are distorting, perverting the gospel, this is where this is going to be a red flag in this series. And this is something for each of us as we look at this. Because there's, there's things that we, we grow in patterns. And, and we're going to have things we unpack about that. Even things like church attendance. Some of you said, man, God loves me a lot more today because I went to church than when I missed last week. There might be good things that you do, spiritual disciplines, experiences that you've had. Some of you went on a mission trip this year. It's like, woo, good for me. I must be loved by God more. No. Those are red flag things. Anytime you think what you do earns you more love from God, you're distorting the gospel. Because what Paul says over and over again in this, we're going to hear it, is it is a gospel of grace. And grace is undeserved. It's a gift. So here's a first application that will lead us through. Paul says there is one gospel. If you add to it, pervert it, it's not just subject to, you know, church discipline or a little scolding or, you know, whatever, shunning that person, you know. This is a pretty big deal. He says you're actually cursed by God. And the meaning of this is that there's an ultimate shutting out. There is an ultimate final damnation of God. Don't mess with the gospel, is what Paul is saying. We don't change the gospel you know in our, our current culture that we live in we live in a diverse world and in our country we have what we call a freedom of religion and that's a good thing because there's other places that don't have that and you know the chaos so we live in this world where there's freedom in our cult country in our culture there's a freedom of religion and so we take a posture of listening and treating other people with with respect and that's, that's a good thing in a society where we, so we don't just fight and kill each other. And what in our country is called post-Christian, we today, we have those who are abandoning faith. We have those who maybe claim to be Christians But they've been profoundly affected by worldly thinking, secular thinking, worldly philosophy, pluralism with other world religions. And listen, whether you're familiar with terms like deconstructing or, or progressive Christianity, if those words mean anything to you, in any event, there's, there's this incredible murkiness in many ways to people's faith. I read an Instagram post of someone that was, had been kind of a famous Christian artist, walked away from it, 
now was, was kind of looking to discover more or how to come back and was, was asking, I have all these, these thoughts and ideas and, and it's not really under, it doesn't come under kind of traditional Christianity or, or Orthodox Christianity, but um, I, I have these views, but I really would, I would like to come to a, I'd like to be welcomed into a church like where someone would be able to like love me and accept me and, and I could be a part of that community. And, and there was, what was interesting was all the comments and, and honestly, I, I got almost kind of like really disturbed by, by the comments. You shouldn't read comments on anything, right? Gets you, I got angry like, you know. But what was, what was disturbing is not that here's a person that's, that has some questions and, and wants to explore this with other people, but the comments over and over, like there was hundreds of them, and that just said, hey, you'd be, you'd be welcome with us. We're just a bunch of heretics over here in our church. We're just a whole bunch of people that are just, you know, kind of looking at what we've, what we've come through in, in Christianity, and, and we're talking about this. So hear me. I think that any time we, we look at our faith, we should ask hard questions and say, why do we believe what we believe? That is true. The other thing is we should be a place that is, that is safe for people to ask hard questions. And we don't do that well as a church. Fully recognize that. We're uncomfortable at times when people ask questions and it seems like, oh, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's believable. And then we, then we shut them out. That's not right. That's not what I'm saying. What disturbed me was the fact that I see all these, these churches that are popping up of gatherings and they just said, hey, bring your ideas. We'll share them with ours. We got this worldly philosophy, this universalism, this is over here. Everything is good. We all just love each other and we're good. But they've completely distorted the gospel. Because Paul says there's only one. And if you distort it, if you pervert it, if you turn away from that, he says, you're cursed by God. That's not something you trifle with. And listen, we're going to get some things wrong here at our church. We're not perfect. But God help us if we stray from the true gospel, and we're going to pour into that and lean into that in this series. And so that at the end of the day, I hope that you'll come with this saying, I've had a place to ask my questions, and I, and I want to explore more, and I want to, to come alongside people that are wrestling with things. But we don't stray from the foundation of the gospel that is found in Jesus Christ. If we do that, we've lost it all. And we're not going to do that here. The Apostle Paul says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, this is Ephesians 2, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, See, your ideas might be good. Your philosophies might be, okay, it's not the foundation for what we put everything of our life on. It's the foundation of Jesus. We have to build on that. He continues in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, By the grace God has given me, 
I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Listen. Here at our church, we're going to stand on the authority of God in his word. It's communicated to us by his messengers and and agents, the apostles. We're going to seek to hold firmly to the foundation of the one and only gospel of Jesus. And, and so if this is not your experience as you've been worshiping here among us, then call us out on that. And also if this is not your, your perspective, what you're wanting in a, in a church, then there might be another community that you're going to find more culturally accommodating because there's plenty of them around. Paul says the gospel, verse 4, he says, this is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil. He's going to go through in chapter 2, a little uh, foreshadowing there, but talking about what it means as a sinner, that's you and me, falling short of what God expects for us, walking in independence to come back, not because of anything that we've done, but because of Jesus. And so to be justified, to be declared righteous, made right with God, is possible only by Christ. There's no other way. By grace alone, which is a gift. You can't earn it through faith alone. And that's our response in surrender, in believing and receiving it. This is the unchanging gospel. There is no other. And so our invitation to you as a church in this, this year as we go through this is for you to look at your life, evaluate your life, evaluate your faith, and saying, is there anything else that I'm adding to Jesus? Or is there anything that's saying, you know what, I have Jesus, and so now I can live however I want. These are distortions of the gospel. So our invitation is for you to come along with us as we embrace the true gospel of Jesus. It is the free life. It's found only in him. Let's pray. God, forgive us for where where we think we are uh, we're so smart. Uh, where we think that we can do more earn more, make you smile at us more by the things that we do. Thanks for calling us to be part of your family. It is an invitation that we continue to, to hold on to and we want to share with others. It's something that we also declare uh, clearly, even as we come to this table in a few minutes what you have done for us, the sacrifice of Jesus to pay for our sins, to offer us forgiveness and freedom that's found only in Jesus. Uh, God, we need your, your strength, we need your power uh, within us. Amen.